Oh, oh, TC. Hey, hey that's, that's cool. cool. You got a podcast? Well, I didn't, I didn't know, know that. that. Oh, that's cool. Now you do. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are back uh, in a summer edition of Oh, That's Cool, OTC's very own, uh, very first, very foremost podcast uh, on the people here at OTC, where, remember, as always, we're uh, all about thinking and making friends. And, and speaking of friends, with me as always... Yes, uh, my name is Andrew Crocker. For some reason, I thought you were going to say my name for me. I've always but, had you say your name. Yeah, my, I'm Andrew Crocker. I teach political science here at OTC. Uh, how's your, I mean, are you summery? Are you in summer mode? Full summer mode. I'm looking at you right now, though. Your dress is largely pretty similar. I guess you're more denim well, this than is, you. Well, this is like podcast mode. Yeah. Well, I tell you one thing. <laughs> this is uh, OTC clearly getting the swimsuit shape right now. Uh, it's Plaza being ripped up at the seams. We're actually, for those of you listening, we look down on the campus uh, like royalty from the beautiful Brooks Conference Room and uh, getting ripped up almost the entire plaza. I think the entire plaza getting ripped up right now. And if everyone didn't know, that's actually where Andrew got his nickname, Bookin' Brooks. <laughs> that's right. I, yes, that's right. That is my nickname. Absolutely. Uh, but I, I have uh, was in summer mode. Uh, we just had we you and I learned our anniversaries yeah, very closely very together. Close. Uh, you can tell we're instructors because we go, both got married in late May, it's which is right after the semester. Great time to unwind and enjoy it. What did you guys do? Uh, we had a kind of Springfield staycation, the best we could do with two kids. Under right, right. So we hit the lake. We went paddling, meaning I paddled. Uh, so you did the the Springfield Lake where you can rent the. We yeah, we just rented figured a canoe. out you could do that like a year ago. Yes, there is one irritation with it though. It is first come first serve. So sure, if sure. it's like a regular sunny summer day, you know you better get there early, otherwise you might be out of luck. But we rented a canoe. We floated. After that, we um, uh, went to Big Shots. Big Shots Golf. Sure, sure. It's a brand new place up on Kearney and Glenstone. Uh -huh. We smacked a few balls, or at least I did. She swung her club valiantly. Uh, and then uh, we ended the evening uh, crashing at the Vandevort, which was a lot of fun. Because nice. Vandevort has gotten so nice. We stayed there when it first opened. And uh, now they've added so much, so much alone. Just the rooms alone. The rooms alone. We stayed in the Vantage building, so it was great. Careful. We might be pushing on sponsorship. Oh, yeah. Oh, please. Sponsor us. Please. Sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we can do that. Yeah. Sure. Well, hey, we still get free bathroom selfies. The, those Vandevort bathroom selfies, are you familiar? Uh, yes. So, yes. so the, the lighting's really good. And, yes, and, that's yes. exactly. Have you not taken one? I, I haven't. I'm, I'm not a huge selfie person. Oh, oh. well, yeah. they. it is, uh, I'm not either, but I am in that bathroom. It I, is, I have a hard time, like even on vacation, I forget to take pictures. Mm -hmm. And so, and, and uh, Carly's the same way, so we often remind each other. Like, oh, we get your camera. We got to take pictures. And well, that's great. Yeah. And uh, so at the very least, we get free access to that bathroom. Fantastic. Yeah. So <laughs> I think we'd get that whether we mentioned it on a podcast or not. <laughs> so uh, I did want to uh, uh, introduce real quick before we introduce our, our guest. Uh, we have a segment called Stuff I Messed Up. Uh, uh, we haven't written the, the theme song for it yet probably something like stuff i messed up uh and so i was talking about last time um can we, just to hate to interrupt can we get some if we do get a theme song can we get some bassoon in it 
I feel like bassoon would work really well in an I screwed up segment. And great, great uh, uh, lead-in for me, too. So <laughs> what I messed up on was I was talking about uh, the, the guy that helped us uh, write and um, create the intro song uh, is a bassoon player, uh, the principal bassoon player for Fort Smith Symphony. And I was talking about, uh, he was really proud of and talked about um, a, a recording that they did. And so it was of Florence Beatrice Price, who was... Uh, an Arkansas native born in 1887 um, and uh, that recording so they did her work number one uh, symphony number one in E minor and symphony number four in D minor uh, and that recording was on New York Times 25 best classical music tracks Uh, Florence Beatrice uh, was the first African American woman to have her music performed by a major symphony orchestra in 1933 Um, and so uh, uh, if you get the chance uh, check out those two symphonies. Um, it was it was listed on on New York Times bestseller list, uh, or, or sorry, New York Times twenty five best classical music tracks, and uh, NPR, uh, uh, Wall Street Journal, a couple other publications. So, uh, uh, forgive me, Brent. Uh, forgive me, Florence. Uh, uh, fantastic work, though. If you get the chance, check it out. If you're into classical music, uh, so we we. Does Brent play the bassoon, though? Is that accurate information? Yeah, he is okay. a... Well, we got that going for us. For whew, a long time now. Mm. So I got that part right. Yes. It's it's names. Yeah. I just, I really, I think part of it is because every year I learn all of my students' names, and mm-hmm. so that can be upwards of 150, right, students a semester, uh, probably more than that. And then every semester I have to dump those names out yeah. and refill. Yes. And so I feel like my names in my head are like those little watering can things that turn and empty out how long into a semester before you feel like you know we'll say 75 percent of their names uh it, within the first week it, it's after the first you homework. get 75 percent of them in the yeah, first because, week and this is how you do it yeah it, public hum, uh, humiliation so i pass out homeworks and when i do i try to guess whose name's who and I feel so terrible when I get so many of them wrong. That's good. I never thought of humiliating kind of myself. Me. Yeah, I, that's how I learned all of my <laughs> So humiliation, sure. Yes, yes. So uh, one thing that, uh, uh, speaking of things I need to work on, uh, uh, I I feel like I, I've improved, especially after um, uh, getting married, after uh, teaching so long, after spending so much time um interested in, in, in sociocultural research, um, I, I've really worked on listening, but I know it's definitely something I could always improve on. I really feel that way after listening to the first couple podcasts we did when I've, I've heard myself going back, ask questions that they kind of, our guests said maybe you already mentioned or talked about or I missed in some way. Hmm. So uh, our guest we're bringing on today uh, is someone that can is is uh, experienced in listening, um, and we are going to ask uh, uh, ultimately that question. Um, but to start us off, I want to introduce our guest today, uh, Daniel uh, Oganyemi, uh, and uh, welcome to the podcast. How are you today, sir? Thank you. I'm doing well. I was sitting here enjoying you all talking and was trying to find you on Instagram to put put you in my boomerang, but I couldn't find you in time. So I guess we need to add on Instagram, Instagram as well. I we're we're still we're in the early stages of was, figuring out social I, media. I help run a student club here on campus, and my students had told me because I do a ton of work to make sure that uh, the club that I help is up to date, up to date 
on Facebook. And they're like, what are you doing? Why? Yeah, Facebook they're, isn't cool anymore, doing? right? They were like, you should do it on Snapchat. I was like, okay, time out here. If I put something on Snapchat, if you put something on Snapchat, uh, let me ask you this. How, what percentage of you and your classmates are on Snapchat? Her answer, 100%. So really? I know our, we're not pitching at that generation, but I, I wanted to shame us both. Are for, you on Snapchat, Daniel? I am not. I did uh, shamelessly, maybe it's shameful, download TikTok. I only watch TikTok maybe like once a month, but uh, I watch it for like two hours. The, that Those hours <laughs> will creep on you they on will, TikTok. They will. You're like, wait, is it two in the morning? I got to go to work. Yes. Like six hours. That yeah. has happened for yes. sure. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I can't even brag that I haven't downloaded Well, because I haven't downloaded TikTok, but I watch TikTok videos now and then. And when I do, it seems like it's large segments because you catch them in other media sources on feeds and such. And Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, sorry. So, do you, do you post videos on TikTok? I don't even know how. Okay. <laughs> no, no. The editing on those videos is next level. Sometimes yeah. Some of them are so well edited. Very creative for sure. So, uh, Daniel, tell us a, a little bit about uh, who you are and your relationship to the college. All right, cool. Uh, I am Daniel Logan Yemi. I uh, serve OTC as um, their inaugural college director of diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, which I'll, I'll talk, talk more about that later. Um, I'm also an adjunct. Uh, I've taught two semesters of adjunct introduction to psychology, which is insane. That's a that's a wild dream of mine, and I've gotten to do it for two semesters with a plan on coming back another one. So um, that's cool. Uh, a little bit more about me personally. I'm, I'm originally from Ruston, Louisiana. I moved to Southwest Missouri on a basketball scholarship to Southwest Baptist University. Um, get my undergrad in psychology, and then I got my master's from Evangel University in clinical mental health counseling. Um, I'm married. My wife's name is Kai. We have a uh, he's a little over two and a half now year old son named Kian. Today, uh, recording this podcast today is actually my wife's birthday. Um, oh, so happy birthday! Happy yeah, birthday! Sneaky shout out to her for yeah, that. for happy sure. Birthday. Um, I like going to church. I. I love basketball, so we're in the middle of playoff time, NBA playoff time. So that's that's great. It takes up a lot of my evenings right now, which I don't mind it. Um, so who's anyway, your team? Who's your team? You know, the NBA has become too much of a nomadic sport for me. So I just like I just like watching it. I don't have a team anymore. You got a player? <clears throat> I am a LeBron fan, although last night may not have been the best. His whole performance this past series has been he's hurt. shameful. He's hurt. Yeah, I, he's hurt. I am not a huge uh, – uh, in general, I don't watch a lot of sports, but it, except for I really enjoy watching playoffs and finals games with other people oh, yeah. that are really excited about it. And so in, I was in – I went to grad school in Miami when – and I was there when LeBron went to the Heat. Really? And, they, and they, I think they lost the first one but yep. won the second one. And I was there for those games, and wow. that was really exciting. I love being, fun. I love loving a sport when you kind of waltz into it. Like, get that with the Olympics mm. a lot. Because yeah. the Olympics, I absolutely must watch synchronized swimming. It is phenomenal, the it stuff really they is. have the to do. The precision is, and I of don't course, get it. curling and 
See, so curling, though, that's an interesting one because I feel like if I really, at my age, had any chance of getting an Olympic gold medal, if I started now and worked really hard, I think I could pull off curling. <laughs> yeah. Really? Those guys, you know what I mean? Like, those I guys that's you, the one. Those guys that you see compete, they are very similar to you and I. And I'm not talking bad about <laughs> them or anything they do or the complexity of the game. Yeah. I just feel like at my age, if, if I really – and I would still have to dedicate and put in the time. I think I could medal in curling. I'm um, not going to. I don't know if you are done with your bio section oh. yet. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> – but I, I do feel that we have to talk about a major event in your life this past spring, which was you declared to run for local office. You ran. You ran for school board. First of all, if I just a couple questions. Why? What drove you to that? Um, I, I think, okay, so I'll give a little bit more context. So I went to school for marriage and family therapy. That was my goal. I wanted to be a marriage and family therapist. Um, I going into both SBU and Evangel, that, that, was, that was my goal, and they all knew it. Um, and then once I got towards the end of graduating, so I was working, I worked um, with individuals with disabilities, and I worked in child welfare. And by the time I finished at Evangel, I was like, you know what, I'm going to give myself like this two-year plan of just doing whatever, like riding this, you know, working thing out before I get into therapy and um I just wanted to start getting more involved with the community. And so I would go to like chamber events and some of everything and just started getting more involved and um, meeting people. Like at one point in time, I, I recognized that like 50% of my schedule was getting coffee or lunch with people, which BT Dub, I, I was never a coffee drinker. And some would say I'm still not. So my drink is caramel latte, extra, extra caramel. And most people would. Um, say that's not coffee. I think it's a slice of heaven or yeah. a, a cup of heaven. So yeah. um, <clears throat> anyway, so I started getting involved with the community and, and that kind of got fun. And so um, in all honesty, the way I got into the profession of diversity, equity and inclusion, um, if, if I can be a little bit honest, it was I think it's because I was am black in Springfield, Missouri, and people would just start asking me about all things DEI. And at first, you know, I, I had no clue. It's like, I haven't, I don't know. I don't know what this is. I can tell you my own experiences, but, um, I really took it as an up for our listeners, DEI. Oh, sorry. Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Um, and, and so I, I kind of took it upon myself to, to learn, uh, anytime I speak, you always hear me say Wes Pratt, mention that name. He's the chief diversity officer at Missouri state university. Um, I asked him to be my mentor and I've been meeting with him ever since. Um, and just learning, learning all I could. Um, and so fast forward to your question. I was being talked to about running for city council. And it was like, well, you know, I don't really know if I don't really know. I'm not sure if city council is for me right now. Um, and of course, the vacancies for school board had come up. I have a child that's going to be in the district um, here very soon. I mean, and just being a part of something as as large and cool as the public school system was a goal of mine, uh, specifically as it related to my, my really my top two priorities um, and interests lied in making sure that every student that went to the public school system had a chance um, to succeed. And then the other part was the mental health of, of not only the students, but also the, the teacher and the administration and, 
and all of and all of that. So those are that's why I ran, and I was uh, honestly hopeful. I so um, full disclosure, obviously uh, the person, the student at the top of my student, uh, my my uh, the student organization that I co-sponsor ran your campaign. Yeah. Our good friend Garrett Moeller, shout out to Garrett, love that guy. Yeah, great kid, um, great man. Sorry. Anyways, on top of that, I also interviewed you for school board. So full disclosure, let's put that out there. Now, on top of that, what was it just in a couple a paragraph or two? What was campaigning like? Did it did it lift you up? Did it wear you down? Yeah. <laughs> what would you say? Well, well, you mentioned Garrett. I also mentioned the rest of the team. So Garrett was the our, our campaign manager, campaign manager. Um, Jeff Meisinger was our treasurer. Monica Horton was deputy treasurer and Emma Beadle um, was our uh, campaign assistant slash volunteer coordinator. And I told them multiple times, if it had not been for them, I would have dropped out of the race in the beginning because there's so much to be done. And uh, honestly, they took care. There, there are things I'm still finding out they did. And I'm like, what? I didn't even know they were they were doing that. So in the beginning, there was there was and and forgive me, my wife for sure, uh, as supportive as she was both formally and informally, and me deciding to run during the election and post election. Um, th- between those five plus many many others, it, it made it somewhat relatively easy, at least in the beginning. So it was really fun. I was geeked. I was excited. I probably for the first couple of weeks I couldn't even sleep. You know, I was waking up very very excited. Um, election night was crazy because the person that finished in last of your field of seven got about 10% of the vote. The person that finished in first got 17% of the vote. So like with the election turnout as low as it was, like if a different neighborhood had shown up, we could have had a completely different set of victors. So obviously it didn't work out for you. Walk us through processing that. Yeah. Um, So at first the camp, the campaign was fun, and then there were two smear campaigns that I was in that against me um, and another candidate, um, and that at that moment it got a little weird. It wasn't as fun as it was in the beginning um, because it just seemed unnecessary. wasn't really expecting that for a local um, election on behalf of kids. I I can't recall having seen something like that. Yeah. So, so it was a, it was masked for anybody listening unaware mass texts were sent out. Yeah. Um, there's right. no other way of saying it. Smearing, yeah. smearing you and another candidate. Yeah. Um, Both times. And uh, nobody um, fessed up to it. Nobody endorsed it to put their name, anything behind it, which, you know, anyway, I have thoughts about that. Sure. <clears throat> so by let by by the uh, night of the election. Um, we had a, a small campaign uh, party, a uh, watch party, um, and it was it was honestly a relief. <laughs> During, it was kind of cool to see like friends and family gather. My dad came up, my oldest brother and his family came up, um, and so it, it was it was cool to be around friends and family and and to be able to just talk with people. And then the results started popping up, and I got so. I don't know if I've ever had that much anxiety. I had to go sit down. As soon as the results started popping up, I was like, oh, this is too much. I wasn't expecting this. Was the anxiety from the fact that you may win or from the fact that you may not win? Um, I think just the unknown. You know, you're, you're hitting refresh every 15 seconds to see what the what the results are. And I, 
I had actually gotten a false call about uh, me winning, which made anxiety even worse. Um, and so, as you mentioned, I was I was not successful in, in being elected to one of the, the three spots. Um, but as soon as the results, I think probably 96% when that came in, we kind of knew. And uh, one of my friends who was successful in being elected, uh, her watch party was right like two doors down. So I walked over there, gave her a hug, congratulated her. That's great. Because um, I was really happy for you her. You love to see that. That's yeah. great. Yeah. And so <clears throat> it was kind of weird. It was... Uh, Right immediately after, it was just like, man, all that for nothing, um, which I hate to say it that way because I, I don't think it was for nothing. But in the moment, that's how I felt. And it was it was kind of overwhelming to to know what um, personally we had invested, what my team had invested, obviously what what donors had invested and just all the things. I mean, so it was kind of a it was kind of a blow um, from the fact that we lost the campaign. We lost the election, but also just some of the other extras that went on during the election uh, season. Um, so this so- is this is where I get to blow everybody's mind who's listening. Um, Daniel, you are twenty five years old. You just you you I have am. wisdom beyond your years. Anyways, you're twenty five. You've got a long, long road ahead of you. Are you maybe run again? Maybe a different office? Maybe school board again? Um, now is probably not the time to ask. <clears throat> if I'm being honest, I yeah. just don't. Um, I don't really want to give a an irrational answer, and I feel like I'm in a in a place to give an irrational answer. Uh, I, I've joked with a few friends, and I, I should not joke about this. I've joked. I said I've never been happier to lose in my life, just because of some of the other things that are, that is still happening um, with the school board, but I, I, I do not, I don't mean that. And this will be my last question about it, but I follow you hard on yeah. Twitter and, uh, you and I were both watching, I assume just based on your tweets, a live stream of a school board meeting <laughs> that went on for hours for hours yes. and, uh, about a really touchy subject that we need not weigh in on. But were you, did you get that feeling of relief watching it or were you like, man, I wish I could jump into that and sort some stuff out i think it's i I went in between i i had some some feelings of angst because you know like uh my friend the chief diversity officer of missouri excuse me at the public schools ivania um garcia pusateri she was presenting that night um obviously i'm good friends with uh more like a she calls me her little brother with dr sharita thomas tate and some of the other board members that i know and um the new board members having to experience all of that just we're talking about listening today. Um, the, we're not we're not listening to each other. We're not listening to each other really in any format. It seems like, and so it's almost it's almost no surprise that that happened. But it's also really really disheartening that that's continuing to happen. I don't even know if I answered your question. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think you did. Um, Absolutely, you did. Yeah, and I think I just. Uh, one of the things that's fascinating about running for office for me is how you are really exposed. You are really exposed out there, and it takes a lot to put yourself out there for anything. It takes yeah. a lot of putting. Just applying for a job. Yeah. You put yourself out there in a place where you're asking the entire community to judge you. Most of the community uh, liked you or disliked you, and they were able to handle that like humans. But then, of course some of the sewer monsters come out and some of these tactics we've seen. I just, I, I just want to personally thank you for running the race you ran. 
and of course congratulate you for handling all parts of it with with like I said, I, the fact that you are 25 blows my mind because you have a majority that I don't think I've <laughs> I've reached yet. Well, thank you, Andrew. I appreciate that. I I, I want to say too, I you know I am obviously not political science. Um, do follow, um, but one of the hardest things I have is kind of the reason why I I went in, uh, to the field I did is um, with physics, right? It, it's particles. Right. And, and, and especially when you're teaching Newtonian mechanics, it's these pretty simple uh, linear systems. Uh, but people are not particles. They're complex. It's nonlinear dynamics. It's chaotic systems. And there's these feelings and emotions that make us human that, right, that we can get into all the beauty of that. But that seems to be so lost. Right. And, and, and especially in what happened in the example that we, you know, that we just brought up how we can get so separated from uh, what seems like humanity, right? Like just, yeah. like you said, we're not listening to each other, but it's, it's even gotten beyond just not listening to each other to, you know, we're attacking each other. Yeah. It is a social science. It, it, it is uh, the, the thing with social science is that um, you can do all the studies that you want, mm -hmm. but as Jared just suggested, People can zig when you think they're going to zag. Yeah, uh, and and that's been one of the really fascinating things watching our political, our, our national politics for the last few years, because uh, it does seem that presidents can bend the nation to their will. They have yeah. enough tools at their disposal, but then we had a pandemic that will listen to no one, and that gets Jared's field where it's hard science now going up against social science. Yeah, um, yeah. but. Of course, that wasn't the driving force. Matter of fact, it was a really interesting time to run for office because you're running for office for school board in the most difficult school year I can remember. Now, as you all are, first of all, I've always wondered what the opposite of psychology was, and I feel like you just defined it with your field. You said something that I don't even know what it is, uh, and I'm like, wow, yeah. okay, that's the other side of my brain working there. Um now that as you all are defining that, I'm like, that was a stupid decision to run for school board. It seems like, it was, it's like so. So I, I, I want it. You know what? What? What did you take away from it? Uh, that's a very good question. Um, a really good question. I, I probably okay. So first of all, I'll just say like I was, I was, and still, frankly, still am overwhelmed by the amount of support. Um, that I got on all fronts and the amount of like advice that people were giving me, you know, like you like to take people's like when a lot of people tell you a lot of stuff, you take it with a grain of salt, but there is very few people or, or times where I can point and say, okay, that was terrible advice. Most people were genuinely interested in um, like the well-being of my campaign. And I think myself and my family as well. Um, I had some people that were very frank with their, assessment of the election and i appreciated that because it, it it did help give perspective and help ground me if anything else to, to continue to to push um i would say the number one thing that i learned um post-election or, or during this process is that not everything deserves a response um i'm a person that i, I love people i really do for, for all their um, complexities i love people um and I like to engage. I like to interact. I like to talk with. I like to respond. You like in the, in the beginning of the campaign, I'm trying to respond to everybody's messages and all of that. 
And as we went along, I just, I just understood that not everything deserves a response. And honestly, it's helping me in my job now, um, being in a building a brand new department from scratch, um, trying to build relationships with my coworkers and, and hopefully students, eventually the community um, in a heightened time, which we're still in coming off a, a, a year in which we saw a pandemic. We saw uh, some people call the resurgence of civil rights and, and all the things that was happening with that. Um, all the things that the political climate being in this profession is not the easiest thing to do right now. Um, and I fully recognize that, Frankly, nobody has to have a role like mine. And so I'm indebted and I'm grateful uh, to OTC for giving me this opportunity to be here. Um, but there are things that I've seen in the four months or that I've been here or, the, or things that I've heard. And I'm like, I wish I could I wish I could say something that right now. You know well, what I mean? <laughs> you know, that's right. And I should want I'd want to classify uh, clarify here for just a moment. Uh, Jared and I are speaking for Jared and I uh, just for anybody listening. We are not uh, <laughs> speaking on behalf of anybody uh, other than ourselves. But I, I will say just to counter your point, I think not responding is a type of response. Hmm. And I, I just think the best you sure. can do. And I don't mean you, but yes, you too. Yeah. I just think the best you can do is be the person that you would want an elected official or just a human to be. Just be the person you can be. Yeah. And when, you know, and just trust, just trust that this muck and not just the muck that was thrown your way, but just how gross people can be sometimes when there's power at stake. Just trust that cooler heads will prevail. You know what? That is a good point. Um, that. That technically that is a response and and i guess i'm actually in a, a personal situation now where i desperately want to contact a person um that i i want to talk to um unfortunately it's, it's not a good conversation which is why i'm delaying um but i guess it's it's more of a making sure that i can respond as rationally as possible for me my faith is a huge driver so uh, i never want to diminish my own faith in a in a response or in the way that I treat another person, and so I guess I guess I'm I, I want to be a little more collective instead of immediately responding to people. Yeah, I appreciate that point. I need to think about that some more. That's a that's a talent that uh, I I am forty. I am not any better at it now that I was before. It takes a lot of work. It takes yeah. a lot of work. For me, it seems like I'm just better at knowing how bad I am at it. <laughs> Right? That's okay. it. Like maturity for me okay. has just been a better understanding of my own uh, 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 defaults. Right? I'm getting a very heavy this this podcast is very heavy on Jared's ability to learn through self humiliation. It is. It really is. Uh, uh, self deprecation. I'm a lifelong learner. Learner. Um, so, uh, who is someone? that you really admire who's a hero of yours who is someone you look up to so we, we we've 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 talked through you know the hardships and the, and the things that 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 you've experienced recently who is someone that you look up to that maybe during that time was someone that was kind of an anchor for you or someone yeah. that you who's a who's who's someone that you want these podcast podcast listeners uh to know more about i hope this does not sound self selfish or arrogant in any way uh, but my family, honestly, I I do not feel like, aside from my faith, the, the biggest motivation, the biggest supporters, whatever it is, um, has been, and I feel like continue, it will continue to be my family. Um, I come from, from a, a pretty large family. Um, 
my my father is originally from Nigeria, um, and of course moved to the states for for school. <clears throat> and I'm the youngest of six, with a host of nieces and nephews. Of course, I already mentioned my wife and, and son. I look up to them, all of them. They are uh, motivators to me, just based off. You know, it's it's funny when you watch people grow up in the same environment, yet they turn out so different. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, but still anchored by the same principles that we all grew up with. And so, like, if you, this was a shocker for my wife, too. I think all of our spouses or or whomever will come around us. If you're around us for too long, you might think we're about to start throwing bottles and chairs and uh, duking it out because, you know, that's just kind of what we do, right? Yeah. um, But they, they have been my biggest supporters, you know, I sometimes I feel like I have to calm them down. It's like, yo, I'm not even tripping about this so much. You gotta, you gotta back up. Um, so my dad, and my mom, they are, they're fantastic. My uh, two sisters are the two, two sisters that are the oldest. And then there are four boys and I'm the youngest of, of all of them. Um, and right now I guarantee if I, if I called one of them and said, I'm, I'm, I still pull the little brother card sometimes. Say like, somebody's messing with me. Um, they'll be like, "All right, where I need to go." It's like, no, I'm just kidding. Like, you know, um, you got to play the cards you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, of course, of course, baby's always the best. If I if I can make sure that people understand that baby's are always the best. <laughs> um, and they they have a nerve to call me like spoiled, and it's like, well. I just if if Daniel's family's listening, uh, we do not necessarily endorse <laughs> Daniel's opinion. Well, I mean, I don't know that that's an opinion. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's proven. You know, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think the, those people are. I, I will I will definitely call them my biggest role models for sure, my wife included. Excellent. Um, so, what motivates you to work hard? Yeah. Um, it probably goes back to those same things. Uh, my, first of all, my faith I identify as Christian, um, and that is my my primary motivation for any and everything that I do. Um, I try hard to consult that first and and align with what I believe those principles would have me to align to to be or to do. Um, and secondary to that is is for sure my my wife and kid. You know, it, it's. I always, I always used to get like fascinated when people would talk about you have a different motivation when you have your own family, when you have your own kid. And that has been true. Like this kid is, you know, I am getting to shape his worldview. I'm getting to shape his trajectory. Um, and most days, probably 98% of the days, that's the scariest thing ever. Cause it's like, I'm this tiny human is relying on, uh, on me as his dad. Um, but that's that's a motivation for me. Anything I heard a guy say this once, and if, when he first said it, it rubbed me the wrong way. But he said he is trying to create unfair advantages for his kids, and I was like, "That is huh. like that's a how, how dare you say something like that?" But it's definitely true. Like I mean, I want to give my kid the best that that I can. I want to give my wife the best that I can give give her. So I mean, between those two things, and then just people, you know, I like people. Uh, I don't like seeing, I love when people succeed. I love seeing people smile. I don't, I like people. Um, so you can't, I wouldn't be motivated if I had to sit in an office every day, all day and, and stare at a computer, which is, I'm not knocking that. Some people are, are good at that. They like to do it and it's necessary. That's not me. When we switched over to Zoom during the pandemic and didn't have students coming in, 
it I didn't realize how much it affected me mm. until I got that first class back when I had them seated and with me again and I was just around people again. Yeah. It was like you completely know, different Kenan energy. Pulls out his sword and just like <laughs> like I, I don't like introvert extrovert because I feel like those things are, are, are more fluid, right? You, you, not always one thing, but I, I just I, yeah, like I I, I need. I, and I want I think that's one of the reasons why we started the podcast up right was just realizing like I want to talk to people I want to meet more people um, and I keep kind of pushing this this idea of, of, of a challenge to our listeners um, uh, introduce yourself to someone you don't know on campus get to know them a little bit tell us all about it tell us on on the on the uh, comments on the video on the Facebook we're gonna have an Instagram now that's a great idea <laughs> I might ask for your help oh my ro- oh no I, <laughs> you, be our, good at it. you could be our social media team the college is hiring a social media manager I wanted this will fall under that person's responsibility <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll send out some emails <laughs> I can get you free trips to the Vandevort bathroom oh yeah there we go. <laughs> for a good all coming to, coming to together <laughs> Penultimate question time. Okay. Oh, excuse me. Antipenultimate question time. Uh, Gumby versus Mr. Ed. Battle to the death. Who wins? Take your time. This is not. This is pretty serious. Um, However, if you're 25 and don't know who either one of those are. That part. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I didn't know how to put that tactfully. <laughs> okay. Bojack Horseman versus Elastigirl. There you go. <laughs> Bojack Horseman versus Elastigirl. Bojack Horseman. No, oh, it's a Netflix show. It's fantastic. Well, yeah, so, but that, that, that doesn't work because it's a cartoon horse. We need a, a real... Elastigirl's okay. cartoon. Yeah. yeah. Cartoon so the, versus so cartoon. So Elastigirl versus a live horse. Battle to the death. <laughs> I mean, a horse is done for. Yeah. I, when you really break this question down, it shows how ridiculous it is. <laughs> okay, so more importantly, why? Why does Elastigirl win? Uh, well, for starters, she's cartoon, and I think uh, cartoon. I, I don't know how in some cartoons cartoons can die, and in others it just seems like they're like Looney Tunes. Nobody ever dies in Looney Tunes. Mm. Um, you shoot so, Daffy in the face. Yeah. <laughs> beaks on the other side of his I mean, head. Yeah, he should be gone. Wally Coyote should be gone. <laughs> I mean, it's just I don't know. Elastigirl... girl. <clears throat> First of all, the second Incredibles was incredible. Yeah, both were amazing with that, that second. Yes, the second one was much awaited. We went to the movies to watch it, um, and it was all about her. She has a I like I love her story. I like how she handles her business. She's very like go get it. I feel like a horse is just I don't know. It's a horse, <laughs> you know. As long as she doesn't get kicked depend by the on horse. what it would depend on what horse. Like okay. Shadow Facts from Lord of the Rings. Like, that changes the equation right there. So, let me tell you what I tell my students um, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, any of the Avengers movies. I haven't watched any of them. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, I know. Oh, that's a shame. I know. You, you like basketball, so I'll, <laughs> I'll let it slide. Yeah, so maybe, hopefully, yeah, Last of Girl. That's my final answer. Final answer accepted. So, uh, into the meat of things now. Um, so we brought you on uh, 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 because, uh, as we talked about uh, earlier, uh, I am deficient. Uh, actually, I'm just I'm just always trying to improve, right? So, um, and one of the biggest things I feel like I can do, and I think it really ties back to what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast too. Something that we can all do and all need to do right now is to listen better. 
so uh, how can we be better listeners? Um, you know what? That actually is a loaded question. The more I think about it, it's like that is a loaded question. Um, <clears throat> my mind immediately goes to the principles of emotional intelligence, which uh, there are kind of four main principles, but it teaches us first we have to understand how to be aware of and regulate ourselves before we can be aware of and manage relationships with others. And so I think I think that's really important for us to consider when it comes to, to listening. Uh, first, you have to acknowledge that uh, listening is important. Um, and it's not just listening to, to people that look like you, walk like you, talk like you, agree with you, have the same principles. I welcome like people to challenge my own beliefs and the way I do things. Um, that doesn't mean it's going to be comfortable, but I, I have to acknowledge that listening to people is very important. So when I first got involved with the community and I told you I would go to coffees and, and all these things with people, and even now, the first thing I want to know is what's – tell me the Jared story. Tell me the Andrew story because that's that's important to me. Like being people – getting people to talk about themselves um, and, and giving someone to actually listen to that person, that's important to me. Um, I feel like we've become – we've come – become way too transactional as as people um and that doesn't breed like i don't know to me that's not necessarily humanity right we're as as humans we're relational beings and we get those relationships best uh, i shouldn't say best from for the most part with other humans and so the fact that we've come very transactional you do for me this and i'll do for you that or uh, you pay me this and then you go away or you vote for me and then I promise and probably won't do whatever you I told you I'm going to do. But, you know, it's, it's very transactional, right? It, and and I don't know that that's going to maintain our humanity. I think the last couple of years has pretty much proven that where we can't even have a conversation with people and and respectfully disagree. Um, <clears throat> I always like mention I'm in a lunch group with some folks um, and we don't agree about everything. We we do not. And there are some times where the conversations get extremely heated. But when we walk out of, the, out of wherever we're eating at, we shake hands, we hug, and we're back at it the next month. Um, and the next month, we probably will find things that we agree on. You know, and it's it's not the it's not for proving who's right or who's wrong. Like that, nobody wins, right? Nobody wins when it's always like I like basketball, and there's always a winner should be a winner in basketball. Um, and I like that. There's a place for it. But at the end of the day, whenever we're talking about just our basic survival, it's not about winning and losing because we all exist in the same spot, in the same place. So um, you have to be willing to listen. Um, you have to recognize that you're not the expert in everything. Um, even when you are the expert, it's sometimes it's, it's still good to just listen. Um, if nothing else, it gives you more right, more ammunition for your own argument. And so if I listen, like, like if it, if it has to be that cynical of, a, of an approach, if I have to listen to somebody who is completely against what I'm saying for the sake of giving me a better argument because now I can speak their own language um, against them, so be it. But at least you're listening and giving another person an opportunity to, to educate you or just to have a conversation. Um, so... You know, being willing to listen, understanding your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors, um, and why they are what they are. So, if someone says something to me that offends me, 
my first inclination is going to be to lash out at that person. And what emotional intelligence would encourage us to do is to, first of all, understand why you got offended by that. Um, understand that maybe you got offended by that because an ex said it, or maybe you got offended by that because uh, it was packed language or, or whatever it may be, right? Understand why you got offended by something or understand why you are interpreting something the way you are interpreting. And that's not an easy process. Again, like that's, that's deep. That's layered. That goes back to things that we've taught, that we were taught, things that we lived. Our, our brain only knows what our brain knows. Um, and we need to figure that out. We have to figure that out. And then the other part is that managing the relationships. So, uh, perhaps someone lashed out at me. Maybe it wasn't, Maybe it wasn't me. Maybe it was this person just having a bad day, right? Um, and being more willing to give people the benefit of the doubt versus just saying, all right, well, that person sucks from now on. Um, and I, I don't really understand how we got to where we're at, um, where you have to be one way or another, where you have to, um, and g- God forbid if you associate with anybody that's different from God, forbid, like if you do that, that you're one of them now. You're not with us. Um, and I just, I don't understand that. You know, it's really interesting to hear you describe it because you're right. To a certain degree, the most intuitive thing for us is to think in zero-sum ways. You are either the winner or you are the loser. Somebody is on top, somebody is underneath. We typically think about that. But, you know, (laughs) it's easy for me to go to politics all the time, so I'll try to resist too. But one of the things I think what you're describing is If you really, listening involves not just hearing the words, but where they're coming from. And in doing that, it sharpens you, not just politically, but also kind of like in your cultural decisions. You and I live life in different ways, whoever you and I happen to be. Mm -hmm. And the more I listen to you and kind of examine where you're coming from, it makes a lot of sense. And you know what? Maybe I'll crib from that. Maybe I'll take that. Mm -hmm. Or it reinforces the way I live. But at the end of the day, we both win from it. Because yeah. we understand each other better, we can build now. There is a common understanding from which we can build from. And I think to to really hear where someone's coming from, that kind of empathy takes self reflection too. Like you're saying, well, yeah. you have to go. You know, why am I feeling the way am I? I'm feeling. What experiences have I had that's making me react that way? Because then you're you're empathizing with the fact that you're speaking to another person mm-hmm. who also is acting and responding based on their experiences, right? That, that part, not, yeah. yeah. That, that, based on their experiences, that that's it. Um, and until people, and, and this is a two way street, right? So you have to, uh, you have to remember. So like, you know, in my in my profession, we talk about like microaggressions and some other things like that. Like, on the one hand, I have to try to remember. Okay, perhaps this person has never experienced or or been in the presence of or talked to or engaged with, interacted with anyone who looks like me, right? Or and so their reaction or what their they're saying is based on what they know to be reality. And then on, on the other hand, it's that's not reality. And the person needs to take some initiative to expose themselves to more. Um, because and it's, it's, it really is easy. It's easy for us to stay in our own bubbles, our own silos. Um, <clears throat> I try to practice, if I disagree with someone, unless, unless it's my lunch group or my siblings um, or my wife, but... Anyway, uh, if I wholesome, yeah, small. If I disagree with someone, my goal is that they will never know it, unless I need to disclose it. But I want to treat that person just as if 
they're they're important to me as anybody else because to me they are. Um, if a person is allowing me the opportunity to talk with or talk to them, um, they are they're important and their perspective matters to me. Their stories matter, and so my goal is you know I can I can be looking at a person and saying that is by far the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Not you all, by the way. Uh, that's by far Very the stupidest possible, thing. I've, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I. But that's their stupid thing, right? Um, and my stupid thing is probably going to be something different. So you can it, you can make someone feel bad for just being, yeah, right, with your words and your responses, and and we don't always think about that. That's what we're doing because we're so self involved with our own need to be who we are, right? Yeah, I think that I think I have missed that. Mm. You know what the yeah. crazy thing is? We live in an era right now where you can look up so more things about your fellow humans than ever before do you feel in the age of social media in the age of the world wide web that our ability i know this is very broad our ability to listen has gotten better or has got worse i think our ability to listen our nope our capability has gotten better our ability has probably got worse um because with with everything is accessible pretty much um but when you only access the things that are relevant to you and that make you the most comfortable then that doesn't expand your ability to to listen and to learn it's just more access to the same content and it's empowering people to feed into more of these the the one-sided um things like i'm sure we probably are all heard there there are three sides to a story <laughs> there's person a's side there's person b's side and then there's the right side the truth of <laughs> what actually happened um and frankly speaking person a and person b are telling the truth because it's their own truth but we don't take time to to listen to that so we only you know if i'm person a and i'm person a's friend i only care about what person they are saying and there are only going to be so many person A's that I interact with. And by the time I interact with a person B, it's like, well, that person's just way off on the deep end. Um, so I think the capability for us to, to learn and listen has expanded. But our ability to has, in, in my opinion, perhaps gotten worse. Which is sad, I think. So if you were to give someone advice on how they could do a how they could do a better job of listening and, and you've talked about this but i mean if there was like one tip or one activity that would make a person a better listener what would you suggest i think i'll give you two first of all it's uh as michael jackson's song states i'll, I'll say person in the mirror start with the person in the mirror um because the person in the mirror is is perhaps the most important part of listening to someone else. Uh, you have to understand who you are as a person, like truly try to understand why you are the way you are, uh, why you believe the way you believe, what you, why you value what you value. Um, and if you, if you believe it, if you value it, you should be able to explain it. Uh, and so really, really going with that. And then after you do that, Look at the person in the mirror again and recognize that that's the person in the mirror. <laughs> and so there's only one person that is like that person that's in the mirror. 
We may have shared traits and characteristics with groups and, and subgroups and other populations, other people, uh, but it's only that person in the mirror. And we will not 100% agree with anybody in this world ever. It's impossible. Um, and then recognize that there's a truth for other people. Um, and what I like to say is as long as it's not threatening me or my family, your truth can be whatever you want. Um, would I like for more people to believe the way I believe? Of course. Uh, will I talk to people about why I believe what I believe? Most certainly. Um, especially when it comes, comes to my religion, I most certainly will speak about that. Um, but if a person walks away and says, eh, I don't agree with you, that's okay. Well, don't, are we still cool? You know, that's all I care about. Are we still cool? Um, and we can have more conversations about this and, and I, I just don't, Anyway, I'm trying to be more succinct. Start with the person in the mirror and then recognize that it's only the person in the mirror. Uh, true or false? I don't want to phrase this. Um, you cannot listen to someone well without exercising empathy for that person. True or false? I most certainly believe that to be true. I do. Um I'm kind of gathering that as a thesis statement here. Yeah. Is that you have to listen more than just the words, the sentences, the subjects, the predicates. You need to listen to the person as a whole. Yeah. And the touchier the subject, the more important that is. For sure. In, in my counseling training, that was we learned that um, most of communication, especially when it comes to relationship building, most of communication lies in nonverbals. And so what I say is is important, right? Um, the words that I that I vocalize, verbalize or or whatever my form of communication is, that's important. But my body language, my tonage of voice, the way I say it, the context surrounding it, like all these things are equally, if in some cases not more important. And so if I'm not able to see you holistically as a person, you know, I like using something as simple as like, okay, say, okay, okay, okay. You know what I mean? Like they all mean different things, same word. And if I'm not looking at a person holistically with their context, so like for my profession, diversity, equity, and inclusion in Southwest Missouri is going to be mean. We're going to do things a little bit differently than, than they would in Los Angeles, California, or New York City, or Miami. It's going to look a little bit different. In Southwest Missouri, it's going to look a little different from St. Louis and Kansas City. Um, and it's the same way, right? It's the same way when we're talking to people. You have to have some level of empathy and understand that this person is, this is another human being. Um, and if you can't find anything else that we have in common, that's that. It's that. I, I kind of have a good framing for this, if you'll let me. So have you either of you ever seen... Um, Behind the Curve. It's on Netflix. We have Netflix. We listen at home. It's this amazing documentary on flat earthers. Yes. Okay. I was. I it rang a bell. Yes, I have seen it. And so uh, again, the, uh, I don't want to be. Uh, uh, actually, I, I want to start this off the right way, and that's that. I uh, when I talk about this, I am not in any way defaming those people. And so, and that's really important to the to the start of the conversation. And what the documentary does so well 
is it hits the points that you're talking about, right? And it ends with this really. So you, you, you just a quick synopsis to, to to give you some context. They tell you about what flat earthers believe. They show you different uh, 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 iconic figures in the flat earther world. Um, I was air quoting there for those of you at home. Um, and then uh, you know they they really build it up as as. You know, you start having those regular thoughts when you see something you disagree with, you know, and, and, you know, speaking personally, you know, the first time I thought it, I saw it, it was, well, how could, aren't they seeing how they're disagreeing with their own, you know, like just fault, 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 fault. And then it takes you to a Flat Earthers conference and it interviews the people. That was such an interesting point of this documentary for me. Continue. I have a thought. You start seeing these people who talk about losing family members. Who their friends don't talk to them anymore. They're recently divorced. They they no one will date them. That they keep getting further and further driven into the community of their own echo chamber because that's the only other you know that that will talk to them. Yeah. And they 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 um, juxtapose this with a science conference going on in the same city. And this this is going to be in next month's stuff. I messed up because I don't remember his name and I want to make sure to give him the credit for it. But there's an astronomer or scientist um, who starts talking about how important it is as scientists that we are good ambassadors and how the real problem is that we've done a bad job of uh, that these people are when you when you listen to a flat earther, they're naturally good scientists, right? These are critical thinkers. These are people that are questioning things. They're doing all the things that a good scientist should do. They could have been part of a community, but we didn't do a good job of making sure that they were part of a good community, the, right? The, main takeaway that I got of that exact same portion of the movie was that when it comes to flat earthers, I don't know how much of it they actually believe. I'm not saying they're being disingenuous. I'm saying their primary motivation watching that conference, it's just like a community. It's community. It's a community that they fit in, which makes what that scientist, whose name I don't remember either, what he said, (laughs) which makes what he said so important. Community got them into it. And theoretically, uh, community can, you know, get them out of their pigeonhole and into kind of the broader scientific consensus yeah. on stuff like that. And so at home now, and I, and I say this to my, to my wife all the time, but I, I will preempt that with she has taught me way more about uh, <laughs> radical love and understanding. And, and, um, but I, I always say, how are you a flat earther? Right, because that's the question I ask myself after that. Well, how am I a flat earther? Right, in what ways am I, am I, you know, falling into the same pitfalls mm-hmm. that I'm trying to judge this other person on? Right, that's where I find that empathy. Yeah. Do you want Do you want to know the answer? Uh, how? <laughs> I have a pretty good feeling. <laughs> I I will be really honest here. Uh, so I have. I'm not superstitious. I'm not. I'm very scientific minded person and and thinker but i read once when i was a little kid that it's bad luck to put your right shoe on first and since i was a little kid i am i'm a grown man (laughs) i'm almost 42 i'm a physics professor yeah and i always put my left shoe on first we need that's that peer how I'm reviewed. a flat earther. We need that peer review. There needs to <laughs> Those of you at home, tell us how you're a flat earther. That that's probably that really is probably a good talking point. Like in in some way, we we have a uh, if I can't use the word weird quirk about us or, or something a weird belief that we that we all have. Like for me, like it, 
Like my morning routine is it cannot be messed up. Uh, it throws me way off. Uh, and there are some other like little things. So like I put on my right sock first, and I put on my left shoe first every every day. Um, and if like my, sh- it's just like things like what that. Is, what is with you guys and your ordered footwear? <laughs> I don't know. It, it feels very off. Uh, <laughs> in fact, I was something. I was spraying on cologne the other day, and typically I will. I guess I didn't even notice. I you take mist the, and walk through, or no, with your that, like fabulous mist walk. <laughs> um, I, I take the top off, and apparently I hold the top in my left hand, and I spray and spray. Um, and I picked it up, and the top was already off, and it felt so wrong to spray without holding the top of my left hand. So, like, we all have, and of course, they can get a little bit more complex than that, but we all have those quirks, and, and that can go all the way up to our hardcore values and beliefs to, to you know, a little, uh, to, to more nuanced things like we were just talking about. But um, we all have them, and I think what we all want at the end of the end of the day is somewhere that we can belong, right? Somewhere where we can fit in, and I think that's the goal of of where we work here at OTC. The goal is to make sure that whatever student walks through our door, however they look, however they, whatever it is, that they can find a place where they can call their own. And so these same principles that we're talking about now, I mean, I, I I'm sure we all probably perhaps we'll know a flat earther or a person that thinks that we're being chipped when we get a vaccine. You know, we know those people um, and it's, it'll take us off guard and we'll want to ask like, what, what, <laughs> you know? Um, but at the end of the day is we all want to, we all want to belong somewhere. And, and I guarantee you for every one thing that you find uh, that you don't have in common, I don't know what number I was about to say. I was going to say a, an arbitrary number like 100, but I guarantee you, you'll find many more things that you have in common with the person than uh, the things that you don't. So if we just search for those and and value those over the things that we don't have in common, I think we'll be okay. Um, well said. Yeah. And so, Andrew, I I feel like we've we've done the best job ever today of achieving our goal of learning more about friendship. I think we did, yes. Which is, as you all know, one of the two main talking points. Ramping is cool, and so is friendship. And so uh, we've, we've, we've learned about listening. We've learned about uh, a lot about Daniel. Uh, did you know that? I did not know that. I didn't know that either. Well, now you know. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much.